Haggai chapter 1, verse 12. The Bible says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shaltiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their, their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shelatil, and governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Let's pray. Father, we bless you and thank you this evening for the grace and love that you have shown towards us. We pray and we release ourselves into your care tonight. Allow your Holy Spirit to carve away anything of our hearts that don't belong so that we may receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Now here in the book of Haggai, this is a the scripture that really ministered to me recently. And the story here, just to give a platform for my title, The Call of Duty, the story here is that the prophet Haggai was given a word from the Lord to preach to the governor, to uh, the people of Israel. And they had been in captivity there in Babylon for already 70 years. And in fact, Haggai the prophet was born into this captivity. So he was born into a captivity, into a, basically into a slavery, where they weren't really working as slaves, but they were under the, the ruling of the Babylonian kingdom. And so when they were born into this, they had lost everything because at this point when they were taken captive, the, 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 the Babylonian Empire took everything that they owned, destroyed the city of God, the house of God, even took all of the treasure out of the house of the Lord as well. And so basically what we can look at this as a metaphor that the enemy came, destroyed their life, took everything from them. And how many know that that's exactly what the enemy had did to most of our lives in this place? And so many of us can kind of relate to being held captive by a certain kind of principality, being held captive to a certain kind of foreign kingdom. Many of us were captive in our own circumstances in our lives before Christ. We were held captive and we were grown up like myself. I grew up in a very dirt poor kind of family. How many can say amen? We didn't have anything. In fact, once in a while, we were lucky if we even had a Christmas tree with a little star on top. How many can hear what I'm saying today? And so as I was growing up, I had this poor mentality. I had this poor mentality. Why? Because and what it did to me, it, any little good thing that I did get, I held on to it like it was precious. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, you got a brand new pair of shoes somebody blessed you with, or even if they were secondhand, but they were nice. So you didn't want anything to happen to them. You treasured them. You held on to them, and you wore them until the souls were all gone. Can I get an amen? You know, you, you get blessed with a little treasure here, a little thing there. Why? Because you don't have a lot growing up. So you're in this captivity inside of your mentality. And then here we begin to see that the, 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 the prophet Haggai came and preached a word. He preached the gospel and he said to the people there, he, in fact, the message he gave before we read the text here was that God said, consider your ways. What he said was, is you all are now in captivity. You're thinking about yourself, but you forgot the house of God. 
They were actually focused, and he even says here that you're building your paneled houses and you're building your own little kingdoms, but my house lays in ruins still. Why? Because the people were in captivity. They were just thinking about themselves. How many know that most of us used to be very selfish people? Why? Because we didn't have anything, so we had that crab mentality. Give me, give me, give me. I got to have more. But what's unfortunate was these were God's people. And the word of God came with great conviction, and he said it not once, but he said it twice. Consider your ways. You tell me that tomorrow is the day to build the house of the Lord, but God said now is the time to build the house of the Lord. Now is the time you start checking your heart, considering your ways, and asking yourself, are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or are you building your own kingdoms? Can I preach it tonight? Hello, somebody. You see, this is why it's not always easy to go ahead and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to use you sometimes. Amen. Because you go into, you know, your church, you love everybody, but then you don't know if they're going to like you very much afterwards. Oh, not here. Hello, somebody. Are you ready to hear the Word of God? Are you ready to receive the Word of God? In fact, it was in conference. God kept telling me, giving me a, a specific analogy, and it was talking about the circumcision and this is just something that God was stirring up inside of my spirit that, you know what, there has to be a circumcision in a lot of people's hearts today. We've got to trim away the fat of our hearts, otherwise we're going to have a heart attack. I, did God, that might just be for me, I don't know. But, but I'm being transparent. That's what God put in my spirit. How many can say amen? And so when I start thinking about that, I start looking at this story here. You see, the, the prophet brought the word of God, but the good thing is, is that the two men, the two leaders that were in charge, the high priest and the governor, they responded. They, they obeyed the voice of the Lord. They obeyed the voice of the Lord, and they did not dilute it. They did exactly what God told them to do, and they went and they started getting together all the people, and all the people began to support the leaders. You see, this is what we got to realize, and, and they didn't care about if their life would be under threat. In fact, what we read is, is if you go back to Ezra, you start seeing how, in fact, when they started building the house of God, the enemy, the governor of the foreign kingdom of Babylon, started rewriting a letter to the king of Babylon and saying, hey, did you give them permission? Did you allow them to do this? Because he was trying to get them in trouble. How many know that the time you start taking a step of God's righteousness, when you start responding to the word of God, how many know that a lot of times the enemy is going to try to stop you? How many know when you step out in faith and you start serving God, all of a sudden there's, there's the enemy trying to trip you, trying to make you fall, trying to, to, to immobilize what you're doing for his honor and glory. But I'm here to tell you that even though, because these two men, they kept on building, they kept on working, even though the, the governor was trying to get them in trouble, they kept on pressing on, they kept running the race, they did exactly what God told them to do, and because of that, later on what took place was the, the king began to look through all the papers, and he saw, he found some papers that declared that all of the things that were stolen from the house of God was to be restored back to the house of God. I'm here to tell you tonight that whatever the devil took from you, he wants to restore, hello, tonight to your life. God is ready to restore it in your life. But not only that, it didn't stop there. When the, when the, when the, the governor there had received a re report from the king, the king said, listen, I want you to give back all the treasury that was taken from them, but also I want you to pay every single penny to build that house of God. 
from the king's treasury. So the king declared if they need any kind of animals to sacrifice, whatever they need to accomplish this work, you provide it. How many know that God will tax the devil on your behalf? He'll tax the devil because why? Faith moves mountains. You see, this story also reminds me of Pastor Sonny and Pastor Steve. You see, even Pastor Steve, when he, was, he had the burden to go to the Philippines years ago, his associate pastor even looked at him and, and told him, you're crazy. What are you doing? You can't go to the Philippines. Because back then, world missions was just starting, and it wasn't really happening like it is today. But Pastor Steve heard from the voice of God. And because he heard from the voice of God, he obeyed the voice of God, and he went by faith, not knowing anybody in the nation of the Philippines, having only a few phone numbers. He went by faith. He took some men with him, and he went there, and he started calling the people that he had contacts. And how many know the rest is history? Because why? Even though people might not understand why you're serving God or what you're doing for the Lord, even though people might try to come against you in your family or in your household or your old friends and neighborhood, let me tell you something. You keep on doing what God called you to do, and in the end, God's going to restore everything in your life that the devil stole. Not only that, but he's going to start taxing the devil on your behalf. You see, God shall richly supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. But you got to continue to walk by faith. You can't figure God out. You can't balance God's checkbook. How many can say amen? God, these people repented because they were focused on building their houses, building their kingdoms, taking care of their families, taking care. And there's nothing wrong with taking care of your family. That's important, yes. But the problem here was is that God didn't need the church. God didn't need the building. He wasn't really even concerned about the building. But he was looking at the heart of the people, how they had become indifferent towards him. They had forgotten God. They weren't putting God first. They weren't teaching it to the next generation. They were enslaved by the Babylonian captivity inside of their mentality. And they had a poverty mentality. And so God said, listen, even th that's why you don't have harvests. That's why you, put, you earn all kinds of money. You work hard to earn all this money. You put it in your purses with holes. In other words, God was telling them, listen, all that you do have is cursed. Why? Because you forgot about me. Because it's all about you. You see, Pastor Steve went to the Philippines, and he went without a lot of money. Hello, somebody. He didn't go and stay in a five-star hotel. He didn't go and rent a nice car. He went and he slept on a little cot, and the, and the men of God slept on the floor. How many can say amen? You see, we got to start understanding that there has to be a price to be paid even today. Where are the men like Pastor Steve? Where are the men and women that are going to start stepping out on faith because the God spoke to them, not because it's a popular thing to do, not because everybody else is doing it, not because they want to get recognized or notarized or be in the limelight. Listen, I'm telling you right now, you don't want to be in the limelight because a lot of times people get blown away by the limelight. But I'll tell you right now, where you got to be is in your prayer closet, where you got to be in his obedience to the voice of God, where you got to be is when God tells you to do something, you do it. 
it. You don't sit there and reason out. Well, God, maybe not right now. Maybe tomorrow. Manana. Listen, God is not thinking about tomorrow. He said, don't even think about tomorrow. He says, work while it is yet day, for nighttime is coming, Victory Outreach. The call of duty. The call of duty, these guys responded to the call of duty. Can I get an amen? They responded even though they could have gotten taken out by the governor, even though they could have been put in prison. It did not matter because they said, listen, God has spoken and we are under a curse. Just like it said in Genesis 1:11, that by the sweat of your brow, you're going to earn your wages. Listen, some of y'all are working too hard, much too much overtime because why? You're trying to pay off the credit cards, pay off the bills, pay off the house payments listen all you got to do is start putting God first and God is going to start to open the windows of heaven and start providing miracle money for you miracle finances for you can I get an amen you see he said listen you will now I am with you because you have responded because you have put me first I'm going to be with you I'm going to be with you. And, and what happened is the spirit of all the people got stirred up. I hope tonight that your spirit gets stirred up, Victory Outreach. That's what I really want to see is that your spirit gets stirred up, that you say, you know what, I'm not satisfied being the way I was when I walked in the back door. I'm not satisfied being the same Christian no more. I'm going to continue to get on the altar. I'm going to cry out to God, and I'm going to ask God, speak to me, challenge my heart. That's why whenever my pastor asked me to do something, I didn't have any excuses. I didn't have any reasons. I just said, yes, Lord, here I am, whatever the man of God needs, because these guys, these people heard the word of God through the man of God, so they heard the word and they obeyed the Lord. Ours is not the reason why, but to do or die. How many can say amen? You know, Christianity is full of too many options nowadays. We've got too many choices to make. Oh, if I don't like this church, I can go down to the church down the street. So we get churches trying to do, you know, to be all hip. Hello, somebody. Have the best music. Have the best preachers. Have the best this and best that just because they're competing with the church down the streets. That's not the will of God. That's not God's plan. The Bible says that the time will come when my worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. Are we worshiping God just for recognition? Are we worshiping God to build our house? Are we giving our tithes so that God will give and blessing back to us? What is our worship based on? What is the foundation of why we worship God? When we came to Jesus, all oh, we were just so happy that we would, were, were set free from drugs. We were so happy that God would accept us. Hello, somebody. And now all of a sudden, as we serve God, we start feeling this, you know, oh, sense of need, and I need this, and I need that, and I need this. Be careful that Babylonian captivity will try to take over your life once again. Can you hear me? The call of duty. Another person that heard the call of duty was in John chapter 4. Let's talk about Jesus for a minute. John chapter 4. These two men responded to the call of duty. They felt like, listen, we can't waste any time, and they responded right away. They didn't procrastinate. They didn't waste any more time. Jesus also was a great model of the call of duty in our lives. John chapter 4, verse 34 to 36, the Bible says there, he says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Can I get an amen? Do you not say four months more 
and then the harvest, I tell you, open your eyes, Victory Outreach, and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Listen, Victory Outreach, we hear and we see the need all around the world now. Hello, somebody. God wants to move at a more rapid pace today. God wants to start beginning to put his spirit upon some of your lives and stir up your spirit here in this place so that you will start believing God has a nation for your life, that God has a soul that is out there lost in the streets. You see, people are dying on the doorsteps of the church now today. People are dying on the doorsteps of every nation, and God is looking for victory outreach to start getting stirred up in the spirit so he can stir us up and say, you know what? Yes, it's 50 years now, but what about the next 50 years? Are we going to continue to live on the history or are we going to start building tomorrow are we going to not work work tomorrow but we're going to focus on building today because God has a plan for you today not tomorrow hello somebody we got to stop putting it off we got to stop putting it off you got to stop putting it off oh well God understands I got to do this first and I got to do that first and what did Jesus tell the disciple when he said Sell everything and follow me. It was too hard. Hello, somebody. And then the disciples said, well, let me go bury my father. Let me go settle issues first. I got, I got to do this first, God. Well, then where is God? Is he first or is he last? Can I preach you tonight? Can I challenge you tonight? I'm a missionary I'm going to have too much passion. I was told years ago, you have too much passion. That's your problem. I said, yeah, thank you very much. That's a good problem. I'm going to say amen. I don't have a lot of humor. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, maybe because the weight of the, the world is in my spirit. The weight of the world is in my spirit where I see people dying, getting killed in the streets, getting shot just because they are hooked on drugs just because they didn't know how to change. We need more churches in the Philippines. The time in my spirit right now is we got to give birth to more churches. And yes, you know what? Finances is a problem. Finances is a challenge. Workers is a challenge right now. But I'm here to tell you, listen, let God start to stir you up right now so that you'll start realizing, listen, God has not only called Victory Outreach Hayward to take this city, but God has called this church to continue to be a launching pad to the nations of the world. Don't not to go ahead and respond to whatever is popular, but to respond to the voice of God, to be able to obey the voice of God. Why? Because we fear the Lord. Because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, my friend. You see, I fear God. That's the only only reason why I'm standing today. Because I have that reverent fear of God in my spirit all the time. I take my job seriously. I understand that I am a, a, a servant in the house of God and that I am entrusted with something that is very precious and valuable. Lives are being changed or not. It depends on whether or not I'm going to stay on the cutting edge inside of my Christian life. If I'm going to continue to respond today, not tomorrow. You see, I can easily fall asleep at the wheel, my friend, and find myself shipwrecked. But I got to tell you tonight, no, not on my watch. We're going to continue to plow forward even when there's those hard times and I feel like giving up and I feel like 
quitting, even though I don't hear a phone call from somebody or so-and-so. Listen, I have learned in those dark times where, you know what, I'd be asking myself, where's everybody at? Where's all the men? Where's all the women? Where's all the soldiers? And those are the times where I begin to press in in the presence of God, and God begins to say, stop looking at man. I am the God of Israel. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm the God that was able to bring the people out of bondage. I'm the God that set you free. I'm the God that can change these drug addicts. I'm the God that can begin to spread the gospel. You don't have to continue to look at everybody else. Look from where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. Can I get an amen? You see, it's in those times where you see the hand of God begin to lift you up. In those times where you begin to see God begin to provide a, 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 a way where there seems to be no way. Because my promise is in Isaiah that he will level the mountains. He will make the crooked places straight. He will do it before me. But I got to keep on walking, my friend, in order for those places to be made straight. I got to keep on pressing on. I can't stand still and let God continue to go ahead of me. You got to keep up with the voice of God. You got to keep up with the move of God. You got to keep up with God because God wants to move at a more rapid pace. And all I know is I got to continue to build that endurance inside of my spirit. And that endurance is the passion for souls, the passion for people. The passion for those drug addicts that were where I was. Those young people who are wandering the streets with families that just left them, nobody to take care of them. The passion to open children's homes. The passion to open more men's homes. The passion to open more women's homes. Why? Because God wants to begin to allow Victory Outreach to be a place of refuge. Can I get an amen? Everybody say the call of duty. Jesus felt the call of duty in number one in Luke chapter 2, verse 49. He says, I must be about my father's business. He said he, when they were looking for him and he was saying, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? Hello, somebody. I would be about my father's business. Listen, we got to start understanding we need to be about fa our father's business. Wherever you are in your workplace, in your school, in your community, you need to be about your father's business. There has to be that sense of urgency inside of your life. Listen, where people know that you're about your father's business. People won't have any doubt where you're at. You're in victory outreach, praising the Lord. You're in the streets of Hayward sharing the gospel. You're about your father's business. You're ready to open your home for a life group. You're ready to welcome people in off the street no matter how much they smell or how much messed up they are. You're well welcome right in and say, listen, sit down. Let me feed you a little something. Let me encourage you a little here. Let me pray for you. Can I get an amen? Listen, we got too many rules and too many choices out there. We need to start understanding. We need to be about our father's business. That's the call of duty. When you have that call of duty in your life, you're going to be about his business. His business will always be first. And because of that, God will take care of the rest. God will put everything else in order. My drug addict mother got saved when I, was on, when I responded to the call of duty. My, my, my uncles and my aunts and my cousins started giving their lives to Jesus when I responded to the call of duty. Number two, Jesus also said in Luke 4.43, he says, I must preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. The kingdom. In other words, he said, I, know, I need to preach the gospel of the kingdom, not pure gospel. In other words, there's a kingdom that you and I belong to. And Jesus needs to be the king of our lives. We need to be his humble servants. 
not being recognized. You see, it's not the servants that get recognized. Every time a kingdom would advance and take military uh, forces out, hello, somebody, who would get the glory? The king, not the servants, not the soldiers. Can I get an amen? The soldiers were just good soldiers answering the call of duty, putting their hands to the plow, not looking back. Listen, we got to start preaching the gospel. We got to stop tickling ears. Hello, somebody. We got to be stop going ahead and, and telling people, come to church. You know, we have a great church. And oh, no, you got to go ahead and start telling them the gospel of Jesus Christ because it was the gospel that changed my life. Hello, somebody. It was the unadulterated word of God that met me when I was in the Santa Rita County Jail. And when I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and somebody started to tell how the gospel changed their life, it was right there in that cell where I started to say, you know what? I need Jesus Christ. It was the gospel. But see, the gospel of the kingdom challenges people. It's not always going to be popular to preach the gospel. How many can say amen? It's not always going to be popular. You're not going to win a popularity contest. But one thing I learned is it doesn't matter who's getting the recognition because the glory belongs to the Lord. Number three, Luke 12:50, he says he must accomplish the work. You see, too many Christians start off well, but they don't finish the race. Too many leaders find themselves, in a, they earn the title and they get there and they do all these things to get a leadership role. But then once they're in the leadership role, they become unfruitful. Why? Because they're waiting for orders. They're waiting, okay, you're waiting for Pastor Stevon to give you a call. Say, hey, I need you to do this and this and this and this. Listen, we got to start understanding that's not a leader. That's a follower. That's a worker. How many can say amen? The leadership title is not the end. It's the beginning. In fact, Jesus got all the disciples together, and he showed them what leadership was. He put a towel around his waist, and he dropped his robe, and he began to wash their feet. Serving people. Loving people. Washing people through the word of God. Hello. You see, our testimony will open their eyes, but the gospel will change their life. Can I get an amen? We got to start understanding. It's very important that we start not uh, looking just to get that leadership title. Listen, if you cannot serve in the kingdom, my friend, then you need to understand. You need to finish the work, accomplish the work. We need men and women in this ministry who are not going to be casualties of war anymore. We need men and women who are going to run this race to receive the prize, who are not going to give up when the devil's trying to slap you around. Can I get an amen? You see, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is not dead. Our God is alive. We got to continue understanding. God has called us to be men and women who are more than conquerors, who are not quitters, who are not losers. You're on the winning side. Can I get an amen? Everybody say, I'm on the winning side. Come on, everybody say, I'm on the winning side. Come on, throw your hands up in the air and say, I'm on the winning side. Come on, tell your neighbor, I'm on the winning side. You can even do a John Cena and say, you can't see me. Hello, somebody. You got to accomplish the work. 50 years is not the end. Hello, somebody. There are still nations with the, that have not heard the gospel. There are still inner cities there in Indonesia. There are still inner cities there in Malaysia and Singapore and all of these countries who have not heard the gospel. The call of duty right now, hopefully it will start to stir your spirit. The call of duty will start to stir your spirit. That you'll stop saying next year is the time of harvest. Jesus said, the harvest is now. 
And lastly, John 9, 4. He says, I must work while the day lasts. There was an urgency in his spirit. I think about Jesus when he was doing the work of the ministry. And this is what has helped me over the years is because you get you work hard for the Lord. It ain't like a nine to five job. Hello, somebody where you can go home and put up your feet and, you know, have your TV dinner and all that. Hello, somebody. You can go to the La Piñata and get yourself a famosa. Hello. There's no famosas where I come from. Amen. Sometimes it's just a little bit of rice. Hello. But the truth is, is that, listen, he said, while it is yet day, there's an urgency. I think about Jesus when he was working for the ministry. He was healing people. He was casting out demons. But then all of a sudden he stopped and he looked up and he saw the multitude. And it's right that time, like he told the disciples, open your eyes. Open your eyes. There's too many Christians who are blind right now. Blinded by your own circumstances, your own problems, your own trials. I think about that and I, you know, yeah, I have problems and trials every single day. Hello, somebody. But it never matches or even measures up to Jesus Christ when he endured such hostility and even endured the cross. It doesn't even match up. It doesn't match up to the problems that people that are still in the world, wandering the inner cities. It doesn't match up to what they're facing today. I'm blessed even with my problems. I'm blessed even with my trials. That's why Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he was standing there on the mountain and he kept saying, blessed are you, blessed are you who are mourning, blessed are you. What the word blessed means is heavily elated. In other words, I'm blessed even in my circumstances. It doesn't matter why, because I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm in the heavenly kingdom. Can I get an amen? I'm blessed. It doesn't matter. So stop focusing on your little trials. Can I get an amen? Not to minimize what you're going through, but I'll tell you, God is bigger than the boogeyman. The problem is, is are you allowing yourself to be diverted and not putting God first? Because when I learned in those times to look up and to see the need around me, to look up and have my eyes open and to see the people wandering around with no shepherds to lead them, with no victory outreaches in their cities, with no churches yet, no homes yet to go to, that's when I start feeling with compassion. Jesus had that sense of urgency. Why? Because his heart was filled with compassion for the lost. Have you forgotten the compassion? Have you lost it? Well, tonight God wants to stir your spirit up so that you can receive the call of duty. Not all of you are called to be missionaries like me, amen? I already settled that a long time ago. I started getting bitter at everybody, like, man, everybody, you got to get right, man. Sell everything and go, like I did. And I started getting mad at everybody. I started feeling like a, I was going to be a Jeremiah or a prophet or something, prophesying death on people. Hello, somebody. Or prophesy God, strip them of all their wealth, amen, in Jesus' name. Until I finally in my prayer time with God realized it's not your cross to bear, it's mine. So I can't ask you to carry my cross, but you do have a cross to carry. Are you putting it down? You do have a cross to carry, whether it's a heavier cross, whether it's a lighter cross, it doesn't matter. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. 
Can the worship team come up? One more. Matthew 16, 21. Let's read it. Matthew 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus' call of duty, the world was on his shoulders. And here he is talking to the disciples. He spent a couple years now imparting and teaching them and eating with them and fellowshipping with them. They started to truly love him. But he had to tell them, look, the time is now. I need to go to Jerusalem. And I'm going to suffer all kinds of pain, even unto death. But he also said, listen, it's not the end, the pain. The pain is not the end. You see, when you respond to the call of duty, yes, you're going to have to sacrifice because if there's no sacrifice, there will be no fruit. Yes, you're going to have to sacrifice because without death, there is no life. Because Jesus even said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will bear nothing. So yes, Jesus was there. He knew what he was faced with. He knew the time was now. And he said, listen, the time is now, disciples, that I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to have to suffer at the hand of all of these religious people and they're going to put me even to death. But he said, e but after that, on the third day, there's going to be a victory. When you respond to the call of duty, Victory Outreach, you're going to realize, yes, there's going to be pains, there's going to be battles, there's going to be warfare, but my friend, you also know that at the end of every battle, there's going to be a victory. At the end of every warfare, there's going to be a breakthrough. At the end of everything, there's going to be something that takes place, what? For the honor and glory of God. And you're going to know that, listen, no matter what, I'm going to get through this. No matter what, the devil can't touch this. No matter what, God is going to restore it all into me. God is going to pay the bill, and he's going to tax the devil so that I'll go ahead and do what God has called me to do. Because why? I am responding to the call of duty. The call of duty may be right there in your household, my friend. Start praying with your family there. They may not be saved, but you start praying right there in your room. And you start praying every day. And let them hear you pray. Let them hear you reading your word. Let them hear you worshiping God. Why? Because eventually, my friend, the Spirit of the Lord is going to begin to stir them up. And God is going to bring salvation to your household. Jesus said in Acts 16, 31, listen, trust in the Lord with all your heart and your household shall be saved. That might be. The beginning for you. I don't know what your cross is. I don't know what pains you're going to have to go through, but you're going to have to say, yes, Lord. I'm going to respond to the call of duty. I'm not going to allow another day go by without me preaching the gospel. 
without me moving to go ahead and share the gospel, without me laying down my life for the sake of those that need Jesus Christ. Can you hear me tonight? Can you hear me tonight? It's not all about being recognized and people to know your name. No. It ain't about all that. You know, a few years ago, somebody asked me, you've been on the mission field how many years? They said, how come I don't even know you? I said, I don't know. I'm just serving God on the front lines, man. I'm just doing what God called me to do. But I'm not trying to get recognized. I'm not trying to get, you know, people to know my name. I just want to save souls, man. I just want to reach the lost. I want to help people not get killed in the streets of Manila, not get killed in the streets there in Asia. Are you with me tonight? Are you with me? Are you ready for God to stir your spirit? Let's stand to your feet tonight. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for being open and attentive tonight. Thank you for allowing me to share with you what God put in my heart. And I pray, I pray that it will be fruitful in your life. Jesus even said, listen, all you got to do is put me first. Put me first in your family, above your family, above your everything, above your job. Put Jesus first. Put Jesus first. More than 23 years now. I've been putting Jesus first, and it hasn't been easy, no. I'm not going to say it's a cakewalk, and I'm not, not always popular, but I can say God has not failed me. God has not failed me. You know, it was a blessing to see my daughter share a five minutes of fire at the World Conference. <laughs> You can't pay by that with money. You can't buy salvation of your loved ones with money. Money should not be your God. Jesus should be first. Lift your hands right now, church. Lift your hands and worship God.